Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the Infinity War episode of the Long Lost Heroes podcast, episode number 32. I am so glad we were here. Part of the reason I think me and Frank ultimately wanted to start a podcast was so that we could do this kind of a review, an Avengers review, so that we've never gotten to do before. So I'm sorry I overstepped a little bit, but we're going to do 10 minutes without spoilers. And without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, I am AJ, and with me as always... It's Frank. I cannot agree with you more, man. Like, I think this, the Marvel Cinematic Universe is something that we, even before the podcast, uh, were consistently talking about, and it was something that we wanted to focus on. Um, it was one of the, the top line items with, with this and Star Wars, like, and so we've been uh, blessed with the opportunity to uh, discuss... Uh, several of the MCU movies last year, uh, Thor Ragnarok, uh, Spider-Man, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy 2, and Black Panther this year. Um, but like this really is the one that <laughs> everything's been leading to for so long. Um, and like I was mentioning to you right before the podcast, we have breaking news in that it is now the number one uh, opening weekend uh, domestic and broke the Force Awakens record of 248 million with 250 plus million, uh, which is out of control. I we were talking about it yesterday afterwards, and we're like, I don't know, it'll probably make a lot of money, but probably won't break that record. And then it also broke the worldwide record, um, so it made over 600 million uh, global as well, which broke the one of the most recent Fast and the Furious record for global release. So this movie is huge. Um, I think it, it definitely warrants repeat viewings. I feel like part of the reason why the the money is higher is because of it was all filmed in IMAX. So we, we saw it in IMAX 3D, which was completely epic. Um, so that may be driving up the, the sales a little bit. But uh, I think it, it definitely warrants repeat viewings. And I, I don't know if it'll have the legs to outlast Force Awakens. Um, we'll see about that because that's what over... Do you remember what the total on Force Awakens? The run was? Yeah. Um, I think it made like close to two billion, but I don't know that it was in theaters for more than like just January. I think it was pretty much done in January. I think right. I think Avengers will go. It's April now, but it's really May, so it'll go through May and potentially through June. Um, but then they'll get it out before Ant Man, you know. So, but. Uh, yeah, it is absolutely, it doesn't surprise me that this movie made the most money ever and has the biggest weekend ever. I think the anticipation for this movie among, uh, our community of, of nerdy people, like they were down and ready to do this. And, you know, something that was really cool that we saw that, you know, there were a lot more, uh, women listeners of the last post and liked and saw our Instagram. So, <laughs> you know, if there's something that that's telling us, it's that, you know, people like these movies, our whole community likes these movies and everybody got, came out, you know, um, to go and check it out and discuss it and be on the first page last night. When I went to a party last night was Saturday, April 28th. That's the day we saw it. Um, we're talking on Sunday, April 29th, but, as of last night, I three people at at this party had already seen it twice. Yeah, I, I think even walking out um, when we were still in the theater, I was like, you know, hearing random conversations. Um, I think even on the street, like half the people that were walking by on the street were talking about 
Infinity War, and like someone definitely said, "Oh, wh- how'd you feel about it the second time?" And it's like, you know, you and I have definitely gone opening nights before, you know, Thursday night showings or Friday nights. Uh, it just so happened that for us all to get together that Saturday afternoon worked best. Um, so, I, you know, I would love to see it today, but like probably won't, and I'm, I'm sure I will see it again in theaters. But yeah, a lot of people are going like right away, which that adds to that opening weekend. You know, people hitting it a couple of times, you know, the, the earlier movies open up, you know, sometimes they have Wednesday night showings and stuff like that. So it just making so much money. And like, I think I think we can say without spoilers that the buzz is very positive. Um, it's it's got a positive rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Most of the reviews that I haven't actually read a review yet, but I've seen a couple of scores and they're positive. Um, it seems like the critics like it and the fans are liking it. Um it's it's a huge movie it's a long movie but it doesn't i feel like it's kind of its pace is real it's got a really good pace but it's also unrelenting and it doesn't really let up and it doesn't give you the time to you know process some of the things that happen and you know there's definitely no time for a bathroom break in there like if you need it so no you um, can't it's it's must see tv like you have to you have to be in the seat the entire time paying attention to every frame and yeah. You know, just to talk about, you know, while we're in the spoiler spoiler free part of this, the uh, discussion, the IMAX here, maybe the best use of IMAX next to Interstellar and the Dark Knight. Like mm-hmm. the way that this movie looks and feels in an IMAX cinema where it doesn't change aspect ratios, not but one time and you're watching a continuous IMAX experience that is unrivaled in cinema like it just really it really has a feeling of its own like it's if avengers was a ride this is like you know so much be, so much further beyond that yeah and i uh, i think you're going to like it if you if you've liked these movies if you've been digging the mcu so far i think you're going to walk out you know i, I don't know if you're going to be necessarily happy or in a good mood but you're i think you're going to ultimately be able to look back and be like holy crap Cause I yeah. know yesterday walking out, I was like, holy shit. That was just so much, just so much, so much happens. And, and I think your point about the, the IMAX being, um, kind of the best it's ever been is, you know, IMAX really lends itself for some of these, um, bigger space epics. And, you know, it, like looking back on the past two Star Wars films, like, yes, there are IMAX shots in those movies, but like those would like really, really work well on that. In, on this format completely and like the fact that this infinity war I, I i don't think it's a spoiler to say that goes to space <laughs> like that is kind of a given it, go- with it goes to space and beyond though and beyond um and it's just it's so huge and to be able to to see everything and th- like everything like there are some moments where you have to kind of like scan the screen and you know it's not you're not just looking head on all the time um and then you know we also saw it in 3d i think you know there there's kind of positives and negatives with the 3d um i think this use was good um i i definitely didn't feel the gimmicky side of it as it, it can get sometimes in some of these movies um and it just like adds that depth with which in such a huge movie like this is super necessary um i, I don't think i'll see it again in 3d but you know i think upon seeing it in the regular format it may i may be like oh yeah i missed that depth or i missed uh 
because I, there, I don't think there are a lot of moments where it's like, oh, you feel like something's coming at you. I don't think movies really do that as much as, as you know, maybe when they first start releasing movies in 3D. Yeah, I, I you know, I don't know. I think that the 3D here is kind of, you really do need the depth because th- this is really the evolution of movies, like in some ways. Like, I know that it sucks that it's a, I can hear the other argument and like the other, you know, forces in the universe saying like, well, it's big corporate machine, like, you know, you're, they're pushing out these movies and, like, of course, they're going to just put the best technology that they can have to make these good so that they can keep the product good. But you got to understand, like, it's also an art to use this stuff, you know, in the correct way. And, like, the 3D here, you know, while it is used to upsell tickets, like, it really does, I think, pay off the depth of how big this movie feels and the carnage that Thanos leaves in his wake. And, You know, I don't think it's a spoiler to say that, like, the villain here, like, Josh Brolin, like, this is something, like, you've never seen before in a Marvel movie, and you've never seen, um, the technology had to come so far for the motion capture to be this good to make a really great CGI villain, uh, really this amazing and believable. Yeah. You've had them before in different incarnations with different levels of technology, but this one... This one goes to a different place. Yeah, and you know, it it's also taking the source material, the comic books, like while it's it's an adaptation of, you know, several different infinity storylines, but you have um you know, on the comic page, they can do so much with the artwork and for them to finally be able to like realize that on screen in the best way they possibly can, like it, it totally makes sense in this format and I agree with you in that the motion capture over the past couple of years, like Disney Disney properties, like I, we rewatched uh, Thor Ragnarok on Friday night, so like right before this, and Hulk in that movie is just un- in- incredible. It like it does not feel CGI to me. It, it's just so you can see Ruffalo's performance in there. Um, you know, same thing with like Vision in the past couple of movies. Obviously, like there's a lot of prosthetic makeup, but they also overlay CGI on him, and he looks so real. And they they use that same technology to bring Thanos to life. And again, you you really you feel like he's there. You you feel um, you feel his incredible presence. I also feel like he grows during the movie. That that very well may be possible. He does feel huge. Like and- he just. Like, I feel like at one point, like, he's standing, like, kind of eye-to-eye with the Hulk in the beginning of the movie. And then by the end of the movie, he's, like, three people high when he, like, (laughs) bends all the way down to talk to them at the end. Like, I'm sorry. I guess that's – but – No, I don't think – He's so so big. He's so big. The damage that he causes is so great. Um, The destruction is something that you feel. Um, You know, I – yeah. What else can no, we say I, that's not spoilers? Uh, I, I don't. I don't think there's much else we can say. I think um, the one last point might be is that uh, while this is a hugely epic film and an action adventure set set piece, uh, you know, sci-fi fantasy elements all bound, like it is still all about character. This is a this is the nineteenth film in this Marvel Cinematic Universe. There is so much connectivity between you know, from the past 10 years of films um, and it all leads into this and you feel like you understand these characters. Like they, they couldn't have made this movie as the first movie. It just wouldn't work. 
you know like you had to have everything that preceded it in order for this film to work but you also have a ton of character development for your main villain which is so important and and the kind of thing that we've learned from films like star wars the last jedi with kylo ren from from having loki as a, a centerpiece to so many of the marvel cinematic universe from Killmonger and Black Panther like the, the the villain needs to have a central role in the film and you know the fact that this is an Avengers film and it's not like you know a single like Captain America movie or Iron Man movie like this is very much Avengers Infinity War aka Thanos's movie and they did a really great job developing him and 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 making him compelling and able to see kind of his motivations and understanding his motivations it really does feel like we've and like at the end at the end of this movie it you feel that thanos is among the great villains of you know classic media of our time he is on the level of heath ledger's joker sauron like uh, fucking vader. voldemort darth vader like he is like they give you a reason to like really go and go along the journey and watch this motherfucker i I can't stress enough like how ridiculously crazy uh, of a villain this guy is. And Josh Brolin brought a lot to this and obviously gave so much of a fuck. And like, that is so awesome. And you know, we're all going to be just so you're going to be blown away by this. Uh, everybody who you've seen in the commercials, like kicking ass and making jokes, like they make tons of more jokes. They kick tons more ass. Mm -hmm. Um, I yeah I think you're gonna like this movie you know I think we really dug it and uh, you know thank you guys for listening to the spoiler free version but I think that we really want to get into the nitty gritty here Frank do you want to say anything else to the listeners who maybe have t shouldn't have tuned in but you know they're they wanted to check out the spoiler free yeah I mean I would say I feel like a lot of people that are listening to us probably have seen it or are gonna bookmark this and and uh, listen to it after they've seen the film but if you're kind of you want to get our hot take on it before you know I, I do think that if you are an avid mcu watcher and you've seen everything up until this point you're ready to go to dive in if maybe you've seen some of them here or there like we had our buddy evan morse uh with us at the film yesterday and he was like i've seen maybe one or two of them here and there um i'm sure he enjoyed it but i don't think he necessarily got as much out of it as like you really can so, you know, I, I would say, you know, go back and watch. If you haven't seen any of the MCU movies, make sure to watch, like, Civil War. Uh, Thor Ragnarok ties right into it. Um, I mean, the first Avengers movie. Just, like, you can probably watch Avengers, Age of Ultron, and then Civil War, Thor Ragnarok, and you're probably ready. You know, like, and then maybe a Guardians of the Galaxy or something like that. Just to, so you get a, a sense of these characters. Um, but... It's really, it's really crazy. I guess the last thing, like, it's really crazy that this movie made this much money and did this much business and has this much popularity. But coming away from it, like, you, there is so much required reading for this movie <laughs> yeah. that, like, it's nuts. Like, it's not like Force Awakens. Like, if you never saw the original Star Wars in the theater, or if you didn't were exposed to it as a kid, like Shana was. Like, you could go into Force Awakens and, like, come away from being like, oh, wow, like, I could like Star Wars now. Yeah. Like, you, if you don't go into this movie and you don't know who Tony Stark is or what Spider-Man does or who Thor is, you're fucked. 
Yeah, you're you're so totally fun. lost, and you may you may have like b- background knowledge from some of these characters, but you know the other side players like Vision and Scarlet Witch, and uh, you know seeing some of the like just like, some of the supporting cast from the other movies. If you hadn't seen Black Panther and seeing like Wakanda for the first time, like. You yeah, it, you're not going to get as much out of it. Huge clap ovation when Wakanda came on the screen. Everyone oh my was so God. thrilled. I, I mean, I think that's another thing we could say spoiler free is that we had an amazing audience. Like we yeah. had such a fun group, and it, you know the the house was packed. Um, it was like almost every time a character made their debut on screen, it was a round of applause. There were you know like screaming and hollering for you know different moments and it was really great you can hear the gasps like people were laughing like crazy at the funny moments um so yeah if you haven't seen it yet you have to see it in theaters like don't wait like even if you haven't seen all the movies try to catch up a little bit you can watch there's like 500 youtube videos that will catch you up in as short as 15 minutes and you can watch all the Plot points and chronology of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, they'll do a way better job than Frank and I could in that amount of time. <laughs> but, and, yeah, yeah we would need a script. <laughs> we would need a script. We'd need to write it down for weeks. Listen, go check these out and then go see this movie. I guaranteed you're going to like it. But really, and I think what everyone's really here for, um, is to get into some spoiler talk. Uh, Frank, thank you very much for reminding me to do the spoiler-free version. I think it was a great idea. Um, yeah, yeah, but there's there's so much to dig into. There's so um, much to dig into here. Okay, so, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to give you one more warning. If you have not seen Avengers Infinity War and you don't want to know what happens, uh, please turn off the podcast now. You can come back. I'm going to make it really easy for you. Uh, we're going to count down in five, four, three, two, one. Spoiler warning. Okay, so Frank, okay. Wh- where do you want where do you want to start? Because uh, I think we could start at the end, but if we start at the end, we're gonna miss the great beginning. And I think no. the be- and I think that the beginning of this movie sets the fucking tone. I think we start at the beginning. I don't. I, there's no better place to start than at the beginning. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the, you know, especially like I said, I rewatched Thor Ragnarok on Friday night and. You know, I I turned off that final post credit scene and I just like had like a little shaking going on. I was like, there's partial excitement, very very nervous. I was like, there are a lot of characters that I really care about that I've we've been watching for so long. I'm nervous for them because Thanos' ship is showing up, and as what we expected, he decimates that ship. And he just he just really fuck he royally fucks it up. Yeah, Asgard um, is is gone. Um, we witness him murder Heimdall and Loki, which was very well, like, hard to but, watch. But, but before we even get there, like when you when you are brought on deck of the refugee Asgardian ship, you hear Ebony Maw, this like totally scary, horrifying character that they totally sold, um, is like speaking in this creepy voice about how this is like a religious thing for Thanos yeah. and like they, they should be thankful that they're sacrifices while you see somebody's behind and you have Loki standing amongst uh, the Black Order which is sort of like Thanos's adventures I guess Nebula yeah. and Gamora 2.0 3.0 whatever um, really scary 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 people scary, scary dudes and, and the only really, other thing I'll I'll say is like bef- as the movie is starting like before you even see anything you he- can overhear 
the uh, the distress call that says this is a an Asgardian refugee ship. Please do not fire on us. We are not your enemy or whatever he was saying. And it re- you really feel for them that this is like this is their last ditch effort and you know thanos doesn't care because he knows there's an infinity stone on that ship oh fuck yeah so he he jumps on the bridge i don't know how he gets there but he is and as he as that's happening they're kind of you know inquisitive playing you know around with loki uh and then you see thanos has thor you do not see korg or meek or valkyrie um they're not there but you know it comes up and then Loki goes, we have a Hulk, which is a total callback to the first Avengers movie. Which is awesome. Uh, awesome. <laughs> and then Hulk jumps out and starts going pound for pound with Thanos. And, like, I'm just like, oh, my God, this is absolutely crazy. I'm out of my mind. But he's not used so see, from the very beginning, they set in the tone, Thanos isn't even fighting with the Hulk. No. He's not even, he's not even trying. And no. as soon as Thanos turns it on in, like, three punches, he knocks Hulk down. It Which is, is unbelievable. Is, you've never seen that before. So you just watch it and you feel the gra- you feel the gravity of the situation as the air gets sucked out of the theater as the fans are like, oh my God, what's happening? And then it gets crazier. It ju- it just keeps escalating. So yeah, we, we I lose- mean it it sets up the, the tone for for the Hulk character through the movie too. Right. Him losing there, you know, huge. it scares him. Like it scares him and he basically throughout the rest of the movie is reluctant to fight. And then you also have the side of the Loki and Thor of it all, where it's kind of will Loki uh, kind of turn to the light and, you know, support his brother, or is he going to twist and, uh, you know, pull another fast one on, on, on Thor. But ultimately Loki is kind of a heroic moment. He has that heroic moment of, yes, he's going to give him the stone, but then he also tries to kill him. But ultimately it, it just doesn't work. And, it, and he succumbs and he says like, I don't think you'll be coming back from this one this time. And right. you watch Thor process the loss of his brother for the third time. In yeah. Like what? Like eight movies now. Ugh. So it's, so now you see this and just like we're sucked out. And then right after Heimdall is able to summon the last bit of dark energy to throw Hulk on a one-way trip back to Earth. Uh, he's uh, Heimdall's also killed. So yeah, and we also all the the theories of Heimdall having the Soul Stone is completely washed out the door. Done <laughs> over. <point>. Goodbye. <laughs> Goodbye. So okay, so then you kind of just sit there and you process this, and and there's a moment where you could think that Thor is killed too because the ship explodes, but we know that he survives. <laughs> right. we, we know Thor is going to be okay. So Thor now, uh, you know, among the stars as we flash cut back to earth and we are now, you know, kind of our getting our feet wet back in what's going on back at home. So, and New York city, uh, Tony Stark and pepper Potts having a nice little walkabout in the uh, thing over there, having a nice yeah. little times as Mark Ruffalo cr- out of the Hulk, crashes back through the Sanctum Sanctorum uh, with Doctor Strange and Wong and like, whoa, what's going on? So in the comics, like this is done by Silver Surfer. Mm-hmm. Um, he's the first one who comes back and warns of like, hey, yo, Thanos is coming. And they use kind of Thanos's uh, or th- the fact that Hulk has been gone for two years to have him do some really glorious exposition porn 
And yeah. you know, that's my absolute favorite thing. So when they do the exposition of who Thanos is, it's all being told from the uh, perspective of Bruce Banner, who's only been the Hulk for a little while now, and uh, you know is recounting what he knows of Thanos, which is crazy because when he was up with Thor, he didn't, I don't know how he got all this information, you know, but obviously he learns everything that he needs to know to tell Tony Stark and Dr. Strange what's happening. Right. Well, I, I think there's, there's a little bit of like, he's there when, uh, you know, Thanos is there and you can tell that, that while Th uh, Hulk is the one that is physically present on the ship, Banner's kind of also in there. And so he understands that Loki and Thanos have worked together before and that whole that whole thing and that he understands that he was behind the attack on New York the first time. Um, I think there's there's easily some dialogue off screen that happens that gives him a little bit of uh, more knowledge to speak to the situation. I mean, I think it is a little bit convenient that he crashes right in, into I mean, I, maybe this is Heimdall doing this. I don't know. Maybe he's like, I'm going to send him to Earth and go to you know, the guardians of earth, which is, you know, uh, the Dr. Strange, yeah, Dr. Strange and, and the rest of the, uh, Camartage, uh, sorcerers. Um, I guess that makes sense. You can kind of write that off, but then you bring in Tony Stark, who, uh, is, is not having some of the, the magic. <laughs> so you, you, it starts to set up this conflict between Stark and strange throughout the movie. Um, but it, you know, Pretty much shortly after that, you know, Thanos' army starts to come. Now, I will say that um, the Black Order, um, while they were menacing and kind of all had their unique uh, and interesting moments, I think Ebony Maw is probably the most compelling of them all. Um, the rest are kind of just like cannon fodder and they just grunt. Um so, but you know, if if they were any more important, it would take away from Thanos himself. Um, right. There's a three-hour cut of this movie where you know all their names are said in a scene or something. Mm -hmm. But you know, you don't really need that. You really don't. They're just there to be Thanos's generals and down there on Earth fighting with the Avengers. So, right. You know, I did. I thought Ebony Maw was really scary. I thought that you know Corvus Clave. They could have. You know, he's supposed to have created the Outriders. So they could have dug more deeply into that. Um, and so, and just for everybody, I, and so Ebony Maw is the character that is most of the time going Squidward. up against yeah, Squidward going up against Dr. Strange. Um, the outriders are, are the evil aliens, right? That they're fighting in Wakanda at the end. Right. Um, and then uh, Proxima Midnight is the female character. And then I honestly, I don't know the difference between the other two. Uh, there's what Corvus Glaive and um, Cull Obsidian. Is that the other one? I don't you know. You got it. Um, but I don't know which one's which. So <laughs> they could have done a better job fleshing them out. But again, it, it really doesn't matter. But, you know, you've got that first epic fight um, with Tony Stark, um, Hulk not hulking out, uh, Doctor Strange and Wong. And then shortly after, you've got Spider-Man coming in. And, you know, I, I think Tony Stark at that point is like, this is, this is happening again. This is the second time that, New York has been attacked in six years and they've, they actually call to attention that and they fix the timeline in a way and say that the eight years later thing with, um, Spider-Man homecoming is kind of an error, whatever. But it, you know, Tony Stark is like, and you can see, um, 
I think that's one of the other great things about the MCU. You see them taking care of the civilians. You see them as the civilians are running and, and uh, you know, like things are happening. You're, you, they're, they're trying to save people. You know, that's ultimately what they're trying to do. And they, they see how high the stakes are. Um, but you, this this moment really sets off, um, you know, the whole movie, the whole movie. And it's, you know, there's so many different strands that come out of here, but you've got this one. I wouldn't call it a B plot necessarily or an A plot. It's just part two in that you, you send Tony Stark, Spider-Man, Doctor Strange off into space and are separated from the rest of the characters. Um, and it sets up this idea that, uh, you know, Tony is getting ready to call Steve Rogers and obviously they never communicate, which um, is kind of sad, but uh, ultimately Hulk does reach Star- uh, Steve and the rest of the Avengers or his secret Avengers, whatever you want to call them. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's really quite epic scene. And you see uh, another moment of uh, Tony and Pepper on the phone as he's like going off into space and loses connection with her. And, you know, there's, there's possibility they may never see each other again because I don't know. We'll get into it, but um, pretty epic start of the the film um and i'm I'm trying to remember i mean there's so many jumps back and forth between different character plots but um where do you want to pick it up next (laughs) i can't think of exactly so yeah i think you covered like the battle of what or like the first like little battle in new york i i dug the new iron man nanobot tech suit i think that that's really sweet um i think that it looks really it looks really really sweet it looks super slick um, I loved uh, Peter Parker getting Ned to cause a distraction. <laughs> uh, Stan Lee driving the bus. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, um, I thought that was a great little cameo. Um, you know, we. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what else kind of other jobs has he had that's blue collar. He's had like all the blue collar jobs. Yeah. Um, he's kind of done it all. Um, he's kind of he's kind of done it all. Um, he's been the mail guy at the Baxter Building. He was a FedEx guy. <laughs> like he's yeah. done all the different mail carrier jobs. Um, yeah, that, so that was pretty cool. Um, it was great to see Spider-Man web sling a little bit in Manhattan. Uh, that was pretty sweet. Uh, and throwing some shit around and being in, uh, Union Square, that was great. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm, uh, Washington Square. Uh, so yeah, I dug the whole first battle there. Uh, I was really bummed that he didn't call Steve Rogers. I liked the way that Ruffalo was, or... Bruce Banner was like, we broke up like the Beatles. <laughs> yeah, that was great. Um, I, I think this is actually a good moment to kind of take stock of the Infinity Stones at this point in the film. Um, so obviously when we we see Thanos for the first time, he already has the Power Stone, which he says that he just basically destroyed Xandar. And so you mentioned it to me yesterday. It's like, yeah, is there a cut of this film where they, they show that i don't know i mean i don't know how important uh, it yes is. there is i think that there was originally a cut of this movie where it's, it's really a, there's a or may, may not have been a cut but maybe it was a script where yeah. it's really thanos on the really more thanos focused i honestly i expected um much before, more before than uh thor ragnarok came out like yes I, it was interesting that they showed him at that ship i thought there was going to be a post credit scene of him getting that first stone and so, but obviously they, they even skip past that in that post credit scene. So, so he has the, the power stone already. Um, you know, it, it sucks. Cause like 
you know, the gar- first Guardians movie takes place on Xander a lot, and you've got um, Nova Prime, and you've got uh, John C. Riley's character, uh, Roman Day, like, and so there are other characters there that's like, wow, they're just, are they all dead now? Like, I mean, obviously there's huger implications throughout the movie of who's dead, who's alive, but so that's gone. Um, then he has the, the space stone. So like now at this point, he has the ability to basically teleport anywhere he wants to go. Um, and I think the other thing that's really important and that with this film that they succeeded in doing is that they made the get the gathering of the six infinity stones to have stakes and not to just be picking up the next MacGuffin. Um, because obviously the uh, power stone aside, I think that that one could have used a little bit more, but with him getting the space stone, you see the loss of Loki and how that affects Thor throughout the film. Um, the, the time stone, um, you have Dr. Strange as the guardian of it and all the other, sorcerers like this is their job to to guard the time stone and so any uh any attempt at getting that time stone is is really important for them and so that is kind of played with throughout the movie um and so i'll leave it there because like there's plenty more stones to get to but like at that point that's where where we're at um dr strange is kind of captured um uh, aboard the the space donut (laughs) Um, but you've got Tony Stark and Spider-Man along for the ride. Um, uh, do, do you want to jump over to Scotland? Do you want to go to Thor and the guardians? Where should we go next? So let's go to Scotland. So at this point we catch up with vision and Scarlet, Witch. vision seems to be, um, doing, you know, pretty good. He has an awesome human form. He looks like, you know, they're doing well. And as they're leaving, we see that, you know, obviously they're trying to have a relationship, but that they're not, you know, able really to sustain it because they keep having to travel and go different places. And Vision asks her to kind of stay there when all of a sudden two of the bad guys show up to try to capture the Mind Stone that we know is in the top of Vision's brain. So as it's happening, um, you know, they're obviously fighting back a little bit on the rooftops of Scotland when all of a sudden Steve Rogers, uh, Falcon, and Black Widow show up. So at this point, they're able to kind of hold off the other uh, two Black Order guys and get them in a position where they're just about to kill them, but unfortunately they're unable to do so as Thanos is able to, or they're able to go back to the ship. I don't know what beaming technology they have. I I mean, Um, to me it must be uh, something from the space the space stone that enables them. Cause it's not just Thanos that can warp wherever he wants to go. They show up and pop in here and there. And I don't know if he's like implemented that technology into their, their ship or something, but it's, it's well, fine. You see, they have beaming. Like you see that in guardians of the galaxy. So like, that's true. So, um, anyway, when they're, uh, you know, they all get together, um, you know, kind of seems like, Oh shit. Vision's hurt gotta go deal with this now and you figure out a way to deal with the infinity stone in his head um again increasing the stakes of you know that infinite infinity stone is super important because if it if they take it out he dies unless they do something about how it's set up in his brain um which i i expected them to go straight to wakanda from there but obviously they go back to the avengers facility which was pretty cool Um, It, it was pretty cool i you know 
I don't understand, you know, uh, what they were trying to set up is that like, you know, they were like long lost. They like, they couldn't be together, but I don't understand why Scarlet Witch and Vision just couldn't be together. Like that to me seemed a little bit, um, interesting, but like probably just like used to create conflict, but it was okay. I think Uh, what it is, is that like the, the conflict from civil war where the team splits up, um, you get the feeling that, okay, two years have passed and they've been going about this for a long time. And that like, while vision definitely, you know, he signed the accords and Scarlet, Witch did not like that set up this whole thing for them. Um, but you also get the sense that roadie may have, um, maybe changed his mind a little bit on, on how things work. And especially when there's this, this huge um, incoming threat. And like, it's kind of a, a shame that I think partially the accords weren't um, utilized to, to the, to their full potential in civil war itself. And that, that ultimately they're kind of washed over in this movie. Um, I think, I think they're going to try to set more of that up in Ant-Man and the Wasp and kind mm-hmm. of use that to finish the last remaining steps after civil war and, you know, kind of get everybody set up for, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if Ant-Man and the Wasp ended with people melting out of reality. Like that would be pretty crazy too, <laughs> you yeah. know? Yeah, it's possible. Um, um but yeah, it, it, it yeah, you, you're right. Like it does feel a little bit too easy for them to just walk back into the Avengers facility. Like, it's like, oh, are you gonna arrest them? No, <laughs> like that's no. it. They're, the band's back together, no problem. So, so they got everybody there. Rhodey's there. He's talking with Thunderbolt Ross, which makes his third appearance in the movie. He's kind of taken over as the like, you know, the world leaders. You know, uh, used to play with the other older Avenger movies. Um, so that's cool. Uh, was hoping Nick Fury would pop up here. Didn't understand why he only. Shows up at the end, but we'll get there. Yeah, I mean, I think he, it, again, I wish he was in Civil War, too, but um, for some reason he has not been in really a, a central focus since Age of Ultron, which is kind of a shame. But um, then again, most of S.H.I.E.L.D. is also kind of relegated to the TV show, and like it doesn't really exist in this universe again. So, yeah, um, but I think ultimately they they decide okay, we're going to go to Wakanda because Steve knows that um, Black Panther and Shuri are able to, to fix Bucky, so they should be able to fix, you know, the vibranium-made uh, vision, <laughs> which uh, is pretty cool. But ultimately, I think these characters, or at least most of these characters, are sort of the ones that are underserved um, throughout the plot. I, you know, thought there would be a lot more Steve Rogers in this movie. Um, but you know, it, it is what it is. I, I think vision and Scarlet, Witch become more central players than than like our other original OG Avengers, like, uh, um, Natasha Ronoff and Steve Rogers. Um, and you've got your other players like of, uh, Bucky and Falcon kind of, they're all united in Wakanda there. And so you've got this one front of, of characters that are prepared to guard the mind stone because they know that Thanos is going to come for it. And you also, I think, miss, like, the like the banter between Steve and Natasha, like, when they're together. I don't think they do that enough in this movie. Yeah. You know, like, where you kind of have them talking about the stakes of it all and the gallows humor that they kind of, you know, put up in the first Avengers or Winter Soldier. And right. I think you do. I think you do kind of miss that a little bit. I, I, 
I do feel you're right that like the people who are on Earth are just kind of to serve the one plot of to protect the Mind Stone, but at the same time, uh, there's so much going on that you know, unfortunately, we just kind of have to, you know, accept it. I, I don't. I hope that Steve and Black Widow uh, get more time in the next movie because there's just so much going yeah. on. So flash cut from everybody showing up in uh, Wakanda, which we didn't. We we still have so many other places to get to. Uh, we have to go to nowhere. So nowhere from the first Guardians of the Galaxy, where the Collector lives, uh, with our new found space prince, uh, <laughs> pirate prince. Uh, as guardian thor as he is found upon by the guardians of the galaxy exactly yeah there's you you and it's kind of a shame that the the guardians of the galaxy split up again you know after volume two um but it, it works for the plot and it makes sense that um thor and rocket and groot would go one place and um like like they said oh we have enough morons to go around to send, to do two things like right. <laughs> like so funny um but that that scene on on the Milano, which looks great again after being destroyed how many times now, um, was really fun. Like you've got, I think that's what some of the most endearing moments about the Guardians films are is like this sense of family that they have. And you know, we this is like four years later from some of the Guardians films, so like you can really get the sense that they care a lot about each other. And Gamora and uh, Star Wars relationship has has developed even further like they actually kiss in this movie um and uh yeah i mean thor is a is a great addition to that that cast of characters um but yeah ultimately it's like okay well thor needs a new weapon and the rest need to go find the reality stone which they it i i was waiting for this moment of like you know the, the these universes has sort of like intersected like years ago when the reality stone came into play and they said they brought it to the collector and then you have the guardians see the collector in their first film. Um, so it's like, it's kind of funny that they, they're like, Oh yeah, this one guy was almost had two stones at one point And uh, it's probably not the best idea. Um, but you know, it sets up the plot that like all these people really want to kill Thanos um, for various reasons. And they like, I, I love the whole like Star Lord trying to be like more like Thor. I think that was super funny. Um, uh, Drax, Drax is still really funny, but I think part of um, what some of the complaints I've seen is like they they've just turned him into like the one liner machine, which is fine. But Dave Batista does it really well, so that's okay. Um, I loved my favorite was. My favorite Drax thing is cutting a bit forward, but when uh, Peter Quill and the and the Guardians come upon Tony Stark and Spider Man and Doctor Strange, and he's like, "What do you want with Gamora?" And he's like, "Who is Gamora?" And then Drax is like, "What is Gamora? <laughs> Why is Gamora?" <laughs> like, oh my god, so funny. Um, it's so funny. But I and I think so. Like, moving the plot a little bit ahead, um, I was kind of bummed that they didn't really explain how the ether like went from being a liquid to a the red reality stone that was kind of strange to me i don't know if it's just like the fact that it's now reunited with two more stones that it it, it becomes a crystallized form like 
that was kind of strange. Um, well, like ultimate- if you have the reality, like if you can have the reality stone, then you can warp reality. So then you can just make a reality that the stone is a stone, right? I, I guess so. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I don't know about that too. I think that it kind of sucked that, you know, they didn't see it as more of the trap that it was. Um, because I think that Gamora was right. And I, and I didn't understand what she meant until much later. But what I thought didn't really track about that was that it, it looked like almost she didn't know what she exactly meant by what, by saying to kill her first. Right. So let's let let can we anal- do a little bit of analysis on this because I've heard a little bit on this so far and I just want to get into this a little bit with you. Yeah. So cinematically, you know, we're about to jump ahead a little bit from uh, the scene that we're at, but uh, Thanos takes Gamora. They then go back to um, wherever Nebula is and to- the his ship where Nebula it's is. And he's ship, torturing yeah. her. He's torturing her. Um, very uh, Empire Strikes Back esque, and as she's being tortured, you know, she reveals that you know, yes, actually, Gamora does know where the Soul Stone is. So, uh, Gamora, now that she knows where the Soul Stone is, um, tells uh, Thanos, and they both go there. You know, as he has the Space Stone to this thing. So, first note, I really liked how they moved cosmically with the Space Stone with the Tesseract. Um, I thought it really felt like a comic book in the way that they were able to move around in that way, you know, because it's so different from the way other sci-fi movies that we see, you know, you know, some people have to, you know, fly in a spaceship. Yeah. Some people have to go through wormholes. Some people can, you know, teleproject themselves across the galaxy and result in the biggest fan hatred of all time. But like, you know, ultimately, <laughs> like the way that they move in this is very uh, central to the the comic bookiness of the way it all looks. So I really like when they show up on uh, Vormir. So when they get to Vormir, who do we meet but Red Skull? Oh, so, that was awesome. I like yeah. As one of the the leading <laughs> suspectors that Red Skull didn't die at the end of the first Avenger, um, and I actually read the Infinity Prelude comic a couple months ago. Um, which like led even more of a hint that he may not have died when he grabbed the space stone. Um, I thought that was like, I mean, it, mostly uh, fan service, but I think it also served a good point of, of plot. Um, and like, I think it was a cool little Easter egg that he looked like he was dressed like death. Um, Cause Thanos was never going to be in love with death in this film. <laughs> Let's be real. Yeah. So, okay. So, I think it was super cool to bring back Red Skull. I think he looked a little bit different. I like the way that they kind of cosmicized him for the world. You know, of course, we would love to know what he's doing there, but fine. Um, So he brings Thanos and Gamora up to the top of a cliff where you have to sacrifice something you love in order to get the Space Stone. Uh, The Soul Stone. Sorry, everybody. Soul Stone. Okay. So riddle me this, Frank. Yes. If If in the beginning of the movie... When you're setting up Gamora's relationship with what's going on, and I kind of assumed that she meant she had the Soul Stone when she's doing this, um, but I, or she knew where the Soul Stone was. Um, but okay, she says to kill her first, right? That she needs to die. So I assumed, like that, at that point, Gamora is gonna need to die in order for Thanos to get the Soul Stone. 
right? And we and I think that the audience kind of got a little bit ahead of the movie in that when you got to the top of the cliff and you see that it's something that he loves, we all realize before Gamora realizes that she's about to be sacrificed by Thanos. Yeah, hundred percent. I like I totally saw that coming. Um, which I think it could have been better handled as a twist. Um, I, I think, yeah, it, it's strange because if she knew where the soul stone was, but she doesn't know how to get it. Like, so she went all the way there before, but didn't sacrifice something that she loved in order to get it. Like, I don't know. I think that, that, it, I think they sacrificed what could have been a really good cinematic moment for like some kind of empowerment thing. And, like, people may, like, have feelings about that. But, like, ultimately, like, I think it would have been a much more impactful scene if, like, as soon as you ha- – as soon as Thanos turns around and he's crying, like, Gamora instantaneously knows she's about to be thrown over a cliff and she starts crying too and then right. sacrifice. Like, I don't think she needs to rant at Thanos, you know, about how, you know, unlovable and how horrible he is um before she dies and yeah. it makes it makes her seem to be not fully on the level because she just said earlier in the movie that you should probably kill her before Thanos gets her because yeah. she is such an integral plot of what could happen if she died Thanos would have never been able to figure out he may have learned later on but he wouldn't have been able to figure out in this movie where the soul stone was right cuz even if even if he got so far, yeah, no, yeah, I mean, he wouldn't have been able to figure it out. Even if he had seen that um, in Nebula's brain that Gamora knew where it was, if Nebula, uh, if Gamora was already dead, he wouldn't have been able to get that information out of her, go there, let alone sacrifice someone he loved. You know, they could have written into the plot like how he would have gotten there, but. If he had nothing else to love, he could never have gotten it. So there's a little bit of messiness with the plot there. Um, but ultimately, I'm glad again that they they tied an emotional reason for him to get this one of the stones and, and that there's a, a loss of a character that we care about. Um, sure. In but order you to get it. So you also see like there's a really nice flashback of Gamora with Thanos where you see her as a little girl on her planet as it's being blown away and Thanos sees her and like, you know, kind of, you know, takes her away from this place. And, uh, it's, you know, it does set him up to be a compelling, um, villain. Uh, you know, I just don't know if they, I think I needed a little bit more. I think I needed just a little bit more on the writing end or, or her end to really tie it through a knot. Cause I, I think some people may have rolled a tear at this one. You know, I think this yeah. the, could have been a, a could have been a part of the movie where you really do see, you know, um, you know, people, you know, get emotional and, and feel for this guy. But yeah. OK, I, uh, I think mo- and the last thing on that, I think you're right. And is that the they always show how much Gamora hates him and all the bad things that he's done. And they hint at the fact that he loves her and he really cares about her. But there's never like a moment of. Like, like something that shows her that he loves her, and like it's just like, oh no, I do love you. Like that, that isn't enough of like him just like taking her and, and sparing her from death on her home planet wasn't enough. There wasn't like a, a middle aged Gamora like before she's an adult that's like 
he's doing some act that like actually shows that he cares and loves about her. And maybe that's a deleted scene or something, but it, I think it would be important um, for her to realize like, Oh, there's something, there is a reason that he loves her. And, um, and that, and that he can be like merciful or whatever. But so, right. I, okay. So given that aside, uh, Thanos is able to get the soul stone giving rest to every fanboy theory. What did you think of this payoff? What did you think of th- having it be, this kind of functionality in order for him to get the soul stone just, I, fundam- just fundamentally I, fundamentally i liked it. I, I i thought it was really important for it not to be one of the v- various theories that were out there of like heimdall or on wakanda or like inside one of our other characters like tony stark or captain america i thought that it was like i, I had a sense that there was going to be a sense of sacrifice with the soul stone in that you know you have to give a soul to get a stone, uh, get the stone. Like I thought that might happen. And so, but th- I didn't really know how it would come about. Um, I, I think it, and I, again, like, I think they, 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 in that they had never shown the soul storm before they, they added a lot of weight to it and what it, what it can do. Um, whereas like, um, they also were able to really elevate, something like the reality stone that like in Thor of the dark world was never really, you couldn't really tell what the powers were, but like they did a good job in fleshing out what, what the reality stone could do. And I, I think at the end of this movie, you have a really great sense of what all six stones can do and how they can interact with each other. And like, he can use them in different combinations. And like you see, you know, him even before he has all six that he can do various things like, um, pulling a moon out of the sky using the power and the space stone because he's able to warp, uh, you know, the gravitational pull of it or something like that. Um, but yeah, no, I think soul stone, um, was a good payoff. Like, I think if it was somewhere in Wakanda, I think it would have been just too easy. Um, I'm glad it was in space. What about you? I I agree. I, I agree that it was, I am glad it was in space. I'm glad it was, I'm glad it brought back Red Skull. I'm glad that you know it was some it was some place that nobody suspected. Mm-hmm. So in and of itself, like I'm glad that they were able to uh, pull, to do this. So that was really um, very cool. I, I, I dug it. I'm not yeah. a, I'm I'm not I'm not against the functionality of it. Just the way that maybe the cinematic way that it was pulled off. Maybe right. that the, was the emotional bit... connection to it could have been sure. really leaned on, and it would have made an even bigger impact. So one of the things when you're leaving uh, nowhere is that Thanos warps the reality and like turns Drax and uh, Mantis into spaghetti and uh, blocks. Um, they're able, they form back together and then they go with Quill uh, to uh, Titan, which yeah, is well, Thanos' actually, home world. Before you get to that, though, um, I think that it was really interesting that when they get there to nowhere that there's this false reality and and that you think that they're going to get there before they can actually rescue the stone and you see Gamora kill Thanos and it's like wow that was easy and it's like totally like in hindsight it totally works with that reality stone I think that was a really cool payoff um and, and like I said before like elevating something that was used in a prior movie but not to its full potential um and like I think that is a kind of a fun stone. Like you see things like a gun and it turns into bubbles and things like that. Like um, it elevated the stakes. And, you know, even though 
there's that I, moment between. I just quilt. realized I can't. You can't hear me nodding, but I'm nodding and agreeing with you. Okay, <laughs> no worries, man. Um, but like you have the the moment between Star Lord and Gamora, and where he's gonna actually pull the trigger, and he does, but it it doesn't work because Thanos is so much in control at that point, and. I think it was important for our heroes to think that they were a step ahead of him, but ultimately not. Um, but okay. So back to segueing over to Titan. All right. So Titan, which is scary. Um, destroyed. Destroyed. Totally destroyed. And uh, now coming in hot are uh, Tony, Dr. Strange and Spider-Man after They've killed Ebony Maw by throwing him out of a makeshift airlock, <laughs> a oh, la Aliens, which so was good. such a great payoff. It was. I thought it was really funny that, you know, obviously the Marvel Universe would like to, you know, note that Aliens is the better movie because they reference Aliens and not Alien, even though the same plot device is used twice in both movies. <laughs> right, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I like to think that that's them weighing in on the classic debate as well from our episode last year. Um, so <laughs> yeah, so, uh, they deal with Ebony Maw, which I thought was really, he was a really scary character and that they dealt with him in a good way. And you see Dr. Strange and Tony kind of butt heads. I like that cause they're so similar. Mm-hmm. Um, and they really, you know, play that emotion, no relationship very well. Well, and then you, you also have the moment of them deciding that instead of trying to turn the ship around and go back to earth, that they take the fight to him and that they like stick with the, the the path of the ship and to, to go to Titan instead of bring more destruction to earth, which is like, I think that is such an important thing for Tony Stark, like to finally like, be like, no, there's so much I care about on that planet that like, I don't want, you know, th- this has been like the end game for so long, like him trying to protect earth and that like, no, let's, let's, let's stick with this. And we'll, you know, while Dr. Strange wanted to protect the time zone, like it's, I thought that was really interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, you're right. They they do butt heads a lot, and um, you've got, like, Peter <laughs> kind of just on the side, um, which, I you know, was an interesting pairing. I, I think having all three of them um, separated from the rest of the plot for so long was, was hard, but, um, you know, because I, I think a lot of fans were probably hoping that you'd have some sort of reconciliation between Tony and Steve Rogers, um, which... You know, spoilers, that doesn't happen in this movie, but, you know, may still happen in the future. Um, but, yeah, so they, they get to Titan, which, again, like, seeing it as a decimated world and you hear the exposition from Thanos that, like, you know, my my planet, they thought I was a, you know, a crazy zealot for wanting to kill off half the population. But ultimately, because we didn't do that, the, the planet was destroyed. And so you get this weight, this um, this sense of like loss for him of like, he thought that he could have done something to save the, the world and his world. And it, because he wasn't allowed to do it, he, they lost everything. And so that's kind of like his motivation moving forward. And that's why, you know, it doesn't seem so nefarious for him to go and say, like, I want to destroy half the universe because like he can see the destruction in this overpopulation. And it, it's kind of a, an interesting um, take on, you know, some sort of, in our reality of, you know, how our, our world continues to have a, a, an increased population and having resources for everyone. It, that's, it's, it's scary uh, to think of it that way, but it's, it's interesting that it, there, there's a little bit of a parallel there. For sure, man. Um, so while this is happening, you have, you know, 
well before that you know uh quill and everybody meet meet up with iron man and spider-man and uh and dr strange they have some funny hilarious banter they talk about footloose again <laughs> uh and um you know they come up so dr strange does something here and like this is i think is going to be you know what let's pause here and let's go to, back to wakanda because if we start here, we're going to have to dig in a little bit deeper or actually we got to go to Thor. We got to go to Thor. You're right. We got to go to Thor. So <laughs> me, meanwhile, <laughs> meanwhile. Ac- ac- across the galaxy in uh, Nidavellir, um, Rocket Raccoon, Groot and Thor have gone to the old dying star to which is you know the forge where all these awesome weapons where Mjolnir was made yeah to essentially ha- get a new style of hammer for Thor okay so when you get there you meet uh Peter Dinklage who plays uh Etree uh, Etree which is a you know the the head guy around there he gets to play a giant so that was awesome um totally subversing what my expectations were going to be yes uh anyway so when we get there uh, it, it's kind of cool because this is one of those things that like scientists theorize about that like if you could get a star and like wrap around you know a st- structure around it that you could kind of create energy forever and that you could also probably do it with like a dead star yeah. and like get energy out of it so it was very cool to see them like kind of realize this on a very grand scale and it was uh, it was a really great blend of sci-fi and fantasy honestly because I think that's what people's complaints about Thor Ragnarok were is like, oh, you know, Thor is supposed to be this fantastical god, and, like, they really introduced so many sci-fi elements, but, like, there is that cool cross-section between between the two and between uh, science and magic and stuff like that that the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe is really, like, riding on, and they're able to kind of blend all of these things together because, of course, like, there is a, a, a way in science that this kind of thing can be done, but it also is so un... like... It's so fantastical, and on a scale that's so ridiculously big, and that you've got Thor like taking on full energy of a, a dying star as like it's hard to believe, but it is it happens. Um, and you know, ultimately they build this uh, Stormbreaker. Is that right? Uh, Storm. It is. Uh, I wrote it down. Hold on. Uh, Stormbreaker, which is Beta Ray Bill's the name of Beta Ray Bill's hammer. Uh, uh, also. Also, Groot is worthy. <laughs> Groot is worthy. This is true. Um, he, yeah, he lends his arm. He supplies um, the uh, thing. He supplies yeah. the wood. And it, it kind of finally, um, it, it brings Groot a little bit more full circle to where maybe he was in the first film. And that, like, you see him growing up as a kid. And, like, you finally see this moment of realization of, like, okay, I need to, I need to help. I can do something here. And then, like, after that, he starts to fight, and he puts down the video game. And so I, I think maybe um, – well, we'll see. But I think there is a moment of, like, growth for Groot <laughs> as the growing tree. Um, and, you know, that's cool that his uh, Thor's new weapon has, you know, the wood of, of Groot. Um, oh, it's and, awesome. And it gives him the ability to – warp across the universe <laughs> he's Which, got he's so he's got the power pretty much all the powers of old mjolnir with now the bifrost in his fucking hammer yeah so i'm excited to see like 
you know, him tossing like body parts across the galaxy in the next movie. That'll be pretty cool. Right. And and this is where you get the the uh great moment of of Thor and Rocket and Groot teleporting to Earth and and showing up with the rest of the Avengers and the Wakandans to fight against um Thanos's army. Um, and like similar to Thor Ragnarok where you see Thor really be the god of thunder and just like has such an immense power and really kick ass and he's got this new new hammer and it, like he is unbelievable in this movie like he is so powerful and like I think it is really fitting that the movie starts and ends with him um, right. against Thanos I think that is really interesting for a character that you know took a long time to get people to care about like he's really important to this film and um he goes through a really great arc and he has a new eyeball which is super creepy <laughs> it's like uh, i would have watched that first yeah yeah, <laughs> like yeah. rocket says that um, um i like i liked one-eyed thor i thought he was kind of cool i don't know why you take his eye out just to give him a new eye in this I, movie but yeah okay. that was weird to me too because it's like it's not like they were doing some sort of cgi like they put like an eye patch on him right so like why do you think do you think hemsworth was like oi i don't really like working with an eye patch <laughs> would it be all right if we uh gave me uh two eyes again thank you very much yeah and they and were just like, like put right. a contact in like th- yeah. i guess that's fine um it is what it is. Like, I guess it also makes sense because like, you know, Bucky gets a new arm and like, they talk about all like the space stuff. Like they have all these cra- crazy technology. Like, shield, uh, yeah. He has the new, uh, cap has the new, um, shields, you know? Yeah. Tony so like Stark has new armor. Yeah. Everyone, everybody get gets new there. toys. Yeah. Okay. So when you get to Wakanda, Wakanda's kind of in dire straits, you know, uh, doesn't look like they have very much time. Uh, Shuri is unable to get the Mind Stone out of Vision's head in time for them to be able to destroy it. Uh, and Vision joins the fray battling against Thanos with Steve Rogers. Um, at a certain point, um, Steve goes head to get head to head with Thanos and to my belief, didn't die. He, he lived. So He survived that- against Thanos, which like I think is good in that you know people were worried in the trailers that you show that scene and that like Thanos is barely trying against Steve and that you think he's gonna get killed. I'm I'm glad that he wasn't, but again, it, and I think it would have it wouldn't have worked because there's not enough Steve Rogers in this movie and there wouldn't it wouldn't have been enough weight. Um, but I think before we get to the Thanos back on Earth, we need to wrap up on Titan. Um, because well, no, I think that. Uh, okay, you, you're kind of right. Okay, so yeah. All right, so we get back to Titan, and it seems that the Guardians and Tony Stark and Spider-Man and Doctor Strange, the well, let's call them the New York City Avengers. Yeah. Uh, when they show up to, uh, when they show up uh, to kind of wrap everyone, kind of wraps uh, Thanos up. Everyone's kind of have has him all kind of cornered together. When Peter Quill kind of goes a little rogue. And, uh, you know, when they have Mantis on top of them and they're, you know, keeping his, you know, concentration away and they're yeah. able to almost get the gauntlet off of him, Peter Quill kind of fucks this all up, which is interesting because in the comics, Peter Quill is not always such a good guy. Yeah. So I thought that this was kind of uh, interesting that they would choose to do that, but to choose to do that at this moment. you sh- It shows that he is truly an emotional character, like going back to 
when he was fighting ego like it's just like he's got this trigger of you killed my mom and now now he goes crazy and like you killed killed gamora and like he he can't he can't separate the mission from his emotions which he would not be a jedi let's just say and uh, no 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 so it sucks because he kind of ruins the plan right so here's where i want to because this is where it gets kind of crazy and it, this is why i was also thinking maybe we have to wait but when they fail okay you feel in the audience the air gets sucked out of the room yep. as tony stark and thanos go at it as it's revealed that thanos knows who stark is and i think everyone was like whoa what that's nuts and then as you see the, like the big blow that Thanos deals to Stark and everyone kind of gasps and realize, oh shit, this is probably the end of Iron Man. Yeah. Um, you're like, oh my god, we th- it's this. Oh my god, uh, Doctor Strange in a very un Doctor Strangey way gives up the time stone for Stark's life. So, yeah, I think this is where we got to get we got to kind of dig our heels in and go back a few minutes. So mm-hmm. before, before any of this even happens, when they're on Titan, Dr. Strange is meditating, um, levitating and trying to figure out, you know, all the different possibilities that he can see in order for them to succeed. And he says, there's only one. Okay. Mm-hmm. And it seemed to me that the, his plan was to get Thanos's glove off and then do whatever they were going to do. That's what it seems like, right? And that the plan fails. That plan fails. But. However, when after, um, you, you know, when Doctor Strange gives the Time Stone to Thanos, uh, you know, it doesn't look like he's not putting like some kind of spell on it. I don't know if he is, but it doesn't look like he is. Yeah. He says, like, um, no tricks, no tricks, and it really looks like he's giving him the stone. and that. Um, yeah, and then after that happens, he has – he's just one He's just one more away. And then uh, Strange says to Stark, we're in the end game now. Right. I think so and this to is me – go ahead. To me, this seems like Doctor Strange's plan – or went in the way that the the ending, you know, of the f- possibility of futures went the way it should have. Mm-hmm. This to me didn't seem like he was being complicit with Thanos in in any kind of way. That he was kind of, you know, rebelling by complying in the moment to get through and win in the end. Do you right. agree? I I agree. I think it it kind of also goes back to what Doctor Strange says to Tony back in New York, and that if if it comes down to saving your life or or peter's or saving the time stone i'm gonna save the time stone 100 percent of the time and i think while it seems like he may have subverted that and gone against what he said originally i think the end game really is in order to save the time stone i need to give up the time stone and in order to uh do so i'm actually saving your life but that may not be like the full case of the matter maybe tony does still die later on because they get the time stone back or something like that. So, okay. So now we jump, now we jump back. So now we jump back to earth as now Thanos has every single stone except the mind stone. Yeah. As Wanda is desperately trying is resisting uh, visions request to destroy it. Right. So, uh, 
ultimately she's able to destroy it, but only for mere minutes, as we now know Thanos is the time stone. And you don't have to reverse time for everything. You can just reverse time for separate objects like we saw with the apple. And mm-hmm. now Thanos is able to reverse time and bring the Mind Stone back and thus add it, creating the fully formed Infinity Gauntlet. And and it was important that I think that they showed that Scarlet Witch could destroy the, the Infinity Stones. Um, obviously, if they're ever able to reverse any of this, number one, to f- destroy the Time Stone, which... <laughs> Doctor Strange wouldn't like very much, but if they could do that, then they could destroy them all in theory. Um, but like, yeah, I mean, you have this epic battle on on um, in Wakanda on Earth, and you've got Hulk there. Like, I think we've kind of underserved a little bit on, on how much Bruce Banner is in this movie, and like, he's really important to the plot. I think it's really cool that you see him in the Hulkbuster armor, which you predicted several months ago, um, and that Hulk doesn't want to come out and fight, but like, ultimately, Banner is able to hold his own and he, he kills one of the, the black order. I think that's pretty awesome. You have some awesome moments with the women on in this film with, um, black widow, Scarlet, Witch, and, uh, Okoye is Okoye. The, yeah. Yeah. Uh, fighting and killing Proxima midnight. Like I think that was really important too. And you showing all these characters. Um, I think like we said before, like some of the other characters, a little, a little bit underserved like you've got thor come in and start to blast everything to bits and you've got rocket meeting bucky and you've got black panther kind of running around um but like you don't spend a lot of time with each individual character you've just got moments with them um because ultimately you're right thanos comes and he gets the sixth stone um and presses them all together and okay so so yeah, so at this point, you know, I can't I can't think of a movie in it, in my lifetime, be it part of a franchise or or a single standalone movie, where the villain so clearly and cleanly wins. So so much so. Like like it just he, you could say that the Joker's plan kind of all g- comes together in some parts in the Dark Knight, but really like. It, it, these guys lose. They lose yeah. big time. A lot of people are, are likening this to Empire Strikes Back, and that the bad guys kind of win in that movie too. But even um, with but even with Empire Strikes Back, you have the beautiful John Williams score. You have you know them giving him some kind of new hand. Mm-hmm. They're on the deck of the spaceship. You know they have Lando and Chewie going off on the next mission. It ends with some kind of glimmer of hope. hope. This movie does something I've never seen before in that I didn't expect the snap uh, in this movie. And without actually showing the snap of the fingers, even though they they allude to it several times, uh, they they show the results. Right. And the results are grave and humongous. Humongous. Um, and, and I think the 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 people that survive are um ultimately just in shock utter shock like i think there there could be a version where you see people really grieving i think maybe there's some time of that in the next film that that happens um but it it is just like unbelievable that they lost they they couldn't they so comprehend just to, it just to give you guys a rundown so at the end of this movie after the snap occurs uh 
Bucky Barnes, Drax, Groot, Mantis, Wanda Maximoff, Peter Parker, Peter Quill, Doctor Strange, T'Challa, uh, uh, Falcon, Wilson is dead, Vision, um, L- Loki, Gamora, like, and and ultimately in the post credit scene, also Nick Fury and Maria Nick Hill. Nick Fury and Maria Hill, like, along with like millions of, of other people across yeah. the universe. And so it's crazy. Yeah, it's just nuts. It's so it's the stakes realized. Mm-hmm. And it definitely is something and I didn't I don't know if I was prepared to see Spider-Man die like that. Like that was nuts. Like That was really hard to watch and I think that's like a, a huge emotional moment for this movie and I also that. think that this movie is like why like little kids don't get to enjoy these movies. <laughs> yeah. You know, like this movie isn't for them. No. Yeah, you, know, you don't want to see all the heroes even, die. Even though you need this movie, like it's not it's not really for them. So it's interesting to me because it's not it really isn't like Empire Strikes Back in so many ways. Like, yes, you have the big turning point, yes, you have some big reveals, but the you know, they 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 blow up a planet in the first one, but they don't blow up a galaxy. You know, That's they true. you know, like the the stakes here are so big. So now that this has happened, like, and you watch it all kind of play out, you know, you're kind of left with the original uh, lineup here. Yeah, you've got just on two different parts of the galaxy. Yeah, so you've got, which is a, an interesting pairing of Iron Man and Nebula left on Titan. Um, like you mentioned, one that's more machine than man, one more man than machine. Um, I think I I hope that they show the immediate aftermath and that there's some ridiculous banter between the two because that would be really funny. Um, but I think, uh, somehow at least Tony Stark needs to get back to earth. Um, but then you've got Steve Rogers, uh, black widow, Bruce Banner, um, war machine. And who else is left? <laughs> Did Okoye, I miss? Okoye, Okoye, M'Baku, uh, Rhodes, um, and Thor and Thor and Thor. That's right. Um, and 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 what's what remains to be seen. So like yeah, of the original six Avengers, we assume all of them live except the fact that Hawkeye is not in this movie at all, and neither is Ant Man. And we can get into that later. But um, so we we're assuming maybe that he, the sixth Avenger still is around. Um, but yeah, I mean it, it's it's crazy that like it it feels a little bit more than fifty percent of our heroes are gone. Um, because it supposedly was a random snap of his fingers and it only wiped out half the population. And, and it just so happened that so many of them are, are the ones that we care about. But I think it, it really adds a huge weight to this movie. I think the hard thing is that um, probably the most impactful one was Spider-Man because, you know, you have that connection with Tony Stark. But it, the, the weight of their, their, the loss, I don't think has really been felt yet. I think... Whereas characters like Loki and um, uh, Heimdall and Gamora that were actually killed and and you saw them killed on screen um, maybe felt a little bit more. Um, The only other thing I want to point out is like I I have a theory out there that maybe there's a a reality in that Hulk and Bruce Banner, that maybe Hulk didn't survive and that that the fact that they're split personalities can really maybe – Thanos was able to change that reality and that only banner survives. Um, 
So yeah, I mean, he really wins, and that's like really where the movie ends. And there's only one post-credit scene, um, and and you see Sam. It's only it's only more of the destruction. Only more of the destruction, but the, the last piece of it is that you see uh, Nick Fury pressing the button, calling Captain Marvel, which I think is a really cool tease for what's ahead. Um, obviously, her film comes out next year, um, and that she's also in the next Avengers movie. What that really means is kind of hard to say. Um, you know, is it, is he contacting her through time because our movie takes place in the nineties? Is he contacting her and she's off in space somewhere? Like if, because if she's not, if she's off in space somewhere, how does he know that she's not dead too? Um, and wasn't wiped out by this cosmic switch. Um, but yeah, I mean, moving forward, it's like, what do the remaining heroes do? How can they stop him? I mean, like you see, he has the gauntlet. He's severely injured, too, because Thor drives his axe in his chest. But as he aptly points out, he should have gone for the head. Um, and I, I guess, do we assume that he's on Titan? Where Where is, is Thanos at the end of this movie? I don't know. I don't know where he is. He's... He, he said he wanted to watch the sunset. Um, and so maybe he just created somewhere for him to watch the sunset because he's got all this power and ability to warp reality yeah um so okay so this movie ends and you walk out of this theater and you just feel obliterated so i i want to say a few things about you know how the kind of pacing and the rapidity and the unrelenting you know pace of this film like even recounting it now like i'm exhausted like this yeah. like there's so much of this movie it's so big and there's so many moving parts and it's such a ridiculous thing to achieve. And I, I just think that like Marcus and McFeely, like they should get like a lifetime achievement award from something. Nobody talks about these guys. They're doing a tremendous job. They pretty much write all the Marvel movies. They, for different people come in on different ones, but really these guys write the general arc of the Marvel universe and yeah. they do a fantastic job. Um, because it's just literally, it's so much to move. It's so there's so much that they have to do. Um, I, I think that it's interesting that there's no Lady Death in this storyline. That really, the fundamental thing that Thanos appeared to love in this movie was Gamora. Mm -hmm. That isn't to say that Death can't come around in the next movie. Will it be portrayed by Kate Blanchett? I don't know. Yeah. The thing I do go back to is that they do say to court Death in the Avengers. So. You know, it, it wouldn't surprise me if she were able to show up in the next round. But, you know, it would also it could also be interesting if like kind of like a legion of, of doom of the cosmic bad guys kind of show up to say what's going on to Thanos after he d did what he did. You know, right. Well, I mean, I think the other thing is like, well, he snapped his fingers and so he didn't necessarily choose who's around. Like, did did Red Skull get wiped out again? Did if Hela actually survived Ragnarok, who's to say that she didn't survive this? Um, you know, other cosmic bad guys out there, like, I don't, maybe they didn't make it through this. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that would be an interesting thing for, like, the next movie to pick up and, like, for Death to have, like, caught his attention and it, um, or her attention. Um, we'll see. I mean, I think... Uh, you know, he still has the stones, but the, the gauntlet looks damaged. So, like, does that mean he can't use them all together? Um, 
is there is there a way that like that he can heal himself probably um is he i mean i i think this it, it was really important that this movie had a beginning middle and end and that it really feels complete um but it does feel like there is a part two like like they couldn't keep going this is I where really, it needed to end and i i really do i don't get this so i think that there's something to um the marketing ploy here that maybe did them a little bit of a disservice that i think maybe they should have just stuck with infinity war part one and two yeah i think that i think that that works and i think that that wouldn't have given it away the spoilers because you know, Feige has come out and said like his biggest regret so far is that we should have just told people what it was called yeah. or just done this one and two thing because doing this now like has set people's expectations so high right. that it's impossible really to meet them. So, you know, I don't think that they, this movie was marketed as the culmination and the ending and really it's only the first part. Yeah. And I think that they did themselves a bit of a disservice by focusing all the energy to try to build this up as the ending, because now they got to get everybody out again next year for the second ending. Yeah. The, the real ending, like the yeah, real, ending. I think that's the thing when you had, um, Harry Potter part one and two. And when you had mocking Jay part one and two, like by saying there's part one, people are going to come for part two and say like, Oh, that's the real end. Um, yeah. How are they going to make sure like to get people to come to the epic conclusion of, I mean, I, I guess like Star Wars kind of does it, and that's like they say there's a trilogy, and that people come for the last part of the trilogy. It's not, and like you know, episode four, five, six. It doesn't really seem like six means it's the end. Um, seven, eight, nine. Oh, and nine is the end. It, it, I think, I think they'll figure it out. Um, I think the naming of the film is going to be important. I, I, I don't think that they're going to go with the Infinity Gauntlet. I think that, um is too similar to what this film is. I, what I was reading that I really like because there's a comic series um, named off of it. I like Avengers Forever um, because it, it kind of, it has multiple meanings to me. It, it's saying that like, oh, there's this cosmic greatness that the Avengers have to, and like Avengers Forever is also a time travel story. So that kind of would track. Um, and it also is like that the Avengers will be forever, whether it's the initial incarnation or not, that this is something that's going to continue on. Um, that's the one I'm kind of hoping for. Um, I, I doubt it doesn't feel like they set up secret wars here. Um, no, I don't think I don't think that's happening. But what I think um, it, I think that they are going to call it Infinity Gauntlet. I'm 100 percent on that. I think that. Even though Zoe Saldana leaked it and the Russos denied it, um, that it's 100% being called that because the original comics, it's like Thanos getting all the stuff, which is what this movie is very similar to. Mm -hmm. It's called like the Thanos quest. And then once he has the gauntlet, it's called the Infinity Gauntlet. Okay. So like I'm pretty sure that they're going to go in that direction and that they didn't want to give away the spoilers that – um, Thanos has the Infinity Gauntlet at the end of this movie because think of all the uh, spoilers that were coming out about um, the time travel that is apparent from the shots on set so it was an easy way out for them to say maybe 
you know, if we don't if we don't tell them what the name of the movie is, they won't understand, and maybe they'll think that you know Doctor Strange is able to keep the time stone, and it lets them build up the cloud of secrecy among what the next movie is going to be by mm-hmm. telling us that no, like Thanos doesn't succeed in his quest, and he doesn't do that. I yeah. think that's big enough of a spoiler for them to make that change. When we find out about this, I don't know. I think that they may wait a bit. I also think that they could wait on a trailer. I think that they may wait like they did last time for a very to the very 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 last minute, mm-hmm. and then put it out with the trailer and uh, you know kind of just and I don't even think the trailers will show us very much. No, I don't think they will. I mean, I think um, what the the first trailer for this one came out in, like December, and then there was another one. Uh, what February March? I think. I and think they, they and they have to promote Captain Marvel before that. Yeah, I mean, I think maybe, maybe what happens? Um, they promote Captain Marvel. Um, I think it's just too late though. Like Cap- Captain Marvel comes out in in March. I don't think they can wait as long to not have a trailer or or the title of the film until after that comes out. I I could see them waiting until twenty nineteen, um, and that maybe they just have a a teaser trailer with the name of the film that um, ties into Captain Marvel and that, you know, they really only show the destruction and they show, um, it could be a short trailer. Like, I really don't think that they need to show a lot Um, or, or maybe it's a like recap of the, the MCU so far. I I think it it would do it a disservice to really try to advertise um, what, what they're going to be showing us. Um, I mean, so talking about Infinity Gauntlet, do you think there is a possibility in this film, uh, the next movie, that one of our heroes actually wields the gauntlet? So, yes, I do. So I think that, um, okay, so it's interesting to me that um, there seems to be very little ability for them to bring in Adam Warlock at this stage of the game. Right. I think that they have said no a few times. Um, Adam Warlock, we know from the comics, is one of the only characters who's able to actually weird, wield the Infinity Gauntlet other than Thanos. There are a few other people who have done it. Um, all of them, you know, to different degrees, but Adam Warlock probably being the most prominent one. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the other ones that's very prominent is Captain Marvel. Yeah. So I think that, obviously, that's the direction that they're going in, and that I don't think that she'll wield it for very long and that they'll probably end up destroying it or something. Mm -hmm. But, uh, I do think that they will, um, uh, she will be used to function in the Adam Warlock character in the next movie and that she'll probably feature very prominently. And, you know, I think we can count on most of the people who disappeared in the snap, which will, you know, the, this, the the dust or the ashes I, th- I think most of those people are going to come back most of those people are safe yeah um i do think and then i've heard things on the internet that it is possible that people do get stuck inside the soul stone mm-hmm. so it's possible that gamora could be stuck inside the soul stone that that would be uh, interesting and that would explain that little scene where gamora is a kid at the end of the movie yeah um so, yeah because she was the sacrifice um so right. Order, so yeah, that makes so sense. she it could be like a horcrux in some ways. So mm-hmm. we'll see how that plays out. Um, yeah. yeah. 
Um, I don't know if Loki's dead forever. I could imagine that he is. You know, that wouldn't totally surprise me. I think it, it depends on what the, the, the effects of the next movie are. Are they going to unsnap and, and change everything back to right before he snapped? Or are they going to time travel and rewrite the history of the films as we know them to this day? Are, are, are some of the events of previous movies going to get unwritten? Like, because if it's going to that the snap moment, then, yeah, I think Loki and Gamora and um, Heimdall and most of the Asgardians are all dead. Um, and but and that everyone else that was wiped out just gets reanimated. But I think that they're going to go a route that they need to figure out a way to stop him before he gets to that point. Um, I'm sure we're going to see Hulk in the next movie. Um, yeah. You know, Feige had said that, you know, Ragnarok, Infinity War, and Avengers Part 4 will or Avengers 4 will kind of be a three-movie arc for Banner and the Hulk. So I assume that you know, that will have consequences or that, you know, we will definitely see them, uh, in the next, in the next movie. He'll be back. Yeah. Um, And I, I think, um, some of the absent players, like, like you said, Captain Marvel, I think Hawkeye, I think Ant-Man will wasp show up. I think, um, they, they'll bring all those people in, but I think ultimately when they bring people back, I think we're still, there may be some other losses, at the end of the day that like maybe some of the characters that are alive right now don't make it to the end. Um, yeah, I could, I could also see that. I think that they're going to all have to reunite and we'll see how that feels when we get to that point. But yeah, you know, the, the problem that I can, the only thing that I can foresee that Marvel created, that's a problem is the speculation machine for the next movie is so high, you know, they've created, you know, and arguably they delivered like they they didn't do a full Snoke like they give you a little bit of his backstory, you know, not enough to be like, wow, like we really know so much about Thanos. But, you know, they give you a they give you enough to feel satiated and comfortable with the level of destruction and, you know, a mess, uh, you know, that he obtains on screen. Um, but. You know, I, I want to see other parts of the like I want to I think that they really pitched it as being that Avengers four was going to focus on the new characters and be really moving forward and beyond. It doesn't really seem like that can be possible when all of them are dead. <laughs> yeah, that's a good. So point. Um, I don't really I, I don't really know. Like I could see that a lot of the other characters maybe not making it out alive, the older ones yeah. um, after their contracts are done. But the speculation train for the Avengers four is so high. Yeah. What, 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 what could they possibly have thought it was going to be that it was going to ruin the complexity that we wouldn't know that he has it. And I think that they should, should have kept it infinity war part one and two. Yeah, I agree. And rent. Yeah. I, I, I don't think, um, like similar to that. I don't think that, that they've set up uh, secret wars. I don't think they've set up, um, anything in regards to um, the Fox characters coming in yet. I think the things that they've been saying that's about still, it are true. That's still years away then. It's still years yeah. away. I don't think that they're going to throw all of them in in, the, in Avengers 4. I think they want to complete their story here and that after that they're going to start to integrate them. And I think that's fine. I think, I, think you, I think you're right. I was hoping that some of the guys were going to show up and that maybe they had done a few more deals, but I think that after watching it and not seeing that and seeing the way that they went in terms of the Easter eggs they provided, 
that like they're, they're gonna go this route instead yeah. and and you're right and i was wrong there's no silver surfer <laughs> in avengers so now they're so now you know i i think that they'll save that for beyond you know they have the scrolls for a reason for captain marvel mm-hmm. you need the scrolls to do captain marvel you can't really do them without her right or uh, do her without them so yeah i think that that you know we'll see that coming down the line as more cosmic characters are revealed through her movies and the, the Guardians of the Galaxy sequel. Yeah, yeah, because there's still a Gar- Guardians 3, and the only, I mean, if you count Nebula, I guess, uh, but the only Guardian to survive is Rocket, so they're going to have to bring a lot of them back for that sequel to happen. Uh, Spider-Man Homecoming, um, you need Spider-Man. <laughs> like, they're, they're making another one of those movies, so he's going to come back somehow. So, like, I think that's why it's okay that, and it, it, maybe it undercuts it a little bit, like a lot of these deaths. It's like, we have a, a pretty good hunch that a lot of them are going to be brought back, but you know, there's still going to be, I think there's still going to be a cost. I think. Um, and as, as we've seen in this movie, they did a really good job of having the emotional stakes. Um, so, you know, the next one, um, hopefully it lives up to expectations. I think you're right. There's going to be hype train for the next year, but um, we'll see. I know both of us want to go see it again in theaters. Um, it's so epic. Like, how could we not um, continue to it'll add be to that cool box to be, office? It, it'll be cool to be able to go back and not be worried about what's going to happen. Yeah. And try to take it all in in a different way. I'm, I'm excited to do that. Yeah. Um, and, and see what it's like in a regular theater and what they're going to crop for the Blu-ray, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I agree. All right. Well, I mean, I don't know what else there is really to say. Like, I think we, we enjoyed it. I think it's a, an amazing ride. It's long, but there's no, like... We definitely recommend it. You know, we went a little overboard with the review here, but I think that was going to happen anyway. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, folks, we really dug it. We dug that you listened to it. Um, again, like, we had talks about doing uh, a, la- a second discussion about Last Jedi and know that there are tons of people who want to talk to us or, you know, share with us their thoughts. So mm-hmm. if anyone would be interested in doing um, a roundtable for uh, Avengers Infinity War, we would be happy yeah. to entertain that and figure out a place to put that up. I would love to uh, do like a watch party of Last Jedi because I haven't seen it since it was in theaters. And we could uh, do we could do a DVD commentary of Last Jedi very that, easily. That could be fun, too. So something along the lines of like now that it's on home release, um, whether we get some people together and we talk about it or we do a DVD commentary. Um, I think it's, it's something that I would love to revisit. And I, I think that this film could also warrant, um, a revisit, maybe not in, in theaters, but as we approach, uh, the second or Avengers four, I think we can do something, uh, um, along those lines as well. That sounds awesome. Um, okay. So, so yeah, um, we, we've got, more movies coming out this summer. Ant Man and the Wasp. I mean, I think Deadpool. It's Deadpool two. Uh, Solo is starting to look good. Um, <laughs> starting to look good. Um, and yeah, a couple other things too. I think it's really interesting that there's an MCU movie in uh, like two months, and that it's super disconnected from this. I don't know how they're going to explain it, but it's it's weird that they put Ant Man in this spot where it's like we know this other movie is going to make so much more money than this other movie, but we want to do this other movie anyway. I mean, but, that's the same thing that happened for the first one. It came out right after Age of Ultron, and it was like... It's yeah, crazy, it's right? It's crazy. I, I feel like it, it's a little unfortunate for them. This, I think Age of Ult- um, Ant-Man of the Wasp probably should have came out first, but whatever. 
that their their hands probably tied. Um, but yeah, I think this has been really great. Um, go see the movie. We're gonna go see it again. Um, and as like, please add to the conversation. We want to hear what your thoughts are. Um, Dude, we know that there are people listening in California, in Japan, in Ireland, in Canada. Uh, we have listeners who are in the Chicagoland area. We have listeners all over the Tri-State area. Uh, Brooklyn, Queens, Bronx, Staten Island. We see you, Manhattan. We see you guys. Thank you for tuning in yeah. and listening. Please, please, please leave us a rating and review on iTunes. I can't express to you how important this is. This is what allows podcasts to move up in the ranks on iTunes. Please take five seconds um, and just go to the bottom of the page and click, you know, five stars and you know leave two to three sentences of why you enjoy listening to us because really that's how more people can discover other podcasts and discover us and, you know, find out about us. So please, yeah. please, please leave yeah. us a rating review on iTunes. Uh, Ask us questions on Facebook, on Twitter, um, email us info at longlostheroes.net. We want to add to the conversation. We, we've been discussing on, on the podcast and answer your questions or discuss the topics. We've been discussing potentially doing, um, like trivia nights, uh, I think that there's a bar over here in Jersey City that looks really nice that I think we have the ability to maybe do that. If people would be down, let us know. That's something we could do. Um, yeah, so thank you guys for tuning in. Um, uh, as always, you can you know find us on social media at Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at LLH Podcast. You can email us, uh, L, uh, info at LLH Podcast. Um, Info dot, at longlostheroes.net. Yeah, I'm sorry. I forgot. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, thank you very much for listening and, and paying attention. Frank, anything else you want to add? No, I, I think this has been a fun ride. Um, amazing film. I was so I, – I was uh, anecdote, it was really hard for me to get to the theater, and I didn't think I was going to make it, and I was super stressed yesterday. But we made it, and it was really epic. Um, so – if they tacked on the amount of money that uh, it took me to get there, as well as to the amount of money that we paid for the tickets, you know, oh the God. box office would be even that much higher. But um, it was so much fun. Um, glad we got to see it with the group and see it in theaters. And it was hard to stay spoiler free. So I understand everyone else that's trying to do that. But, you know, it's it can be done. And if you've stuck around this far and haven't seen the film, what are you doing? Anyway, we love you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. Um, I'm Frank. I'm AJ. And we're out. We'll see you next time. See you next time. Bye.